on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself and launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Silvani! What about that? Mackay, Mackay! Two in a minute. And they are dancing now, the Blues. Almost Mackay. Walsh, here he is. Straightens up and has delivered. Is there nothing this young man can't do? Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and this week I'm not uh, joined by Lockie. Unfortunately, the man is quite ill. Maybe he's partied a little bit too hard after the baggers got up against Richmond round one, but I am very fortunate that I'm joined by one of the best and greatest voices in the Carlton community. It is, of course, Pommy in Oz. Pommy, thanks for joining me this week. Hey, my pleasure. I mean, I'm like Lockie, but I've got a better accent. (laughs) Exactly. Spices it up. It's not just two boring Aussies, two plain white fellas having a chat. So it brings a bit of diversity for once. I was going to say, we, we passed HR <laughs> with me here. <laughs> but look, I've got to say, that game, Carlton finally beating Richmond, it is the first time since the elimination final in 2013 that we've finally beaten Richmond. The first time in nine years we've finally started the season 1-0. and like, How big is that for you? Massive. I mean, last time Carlton won, Gangnam Style was popular. <laughs> Jeez. Just let that sink in. Do you know what I mean? Some wow. weird weird Korean guy dancing was, <laughs> was all the rage. And, you know, interesting, a good friend of mine, Lap Dog, the Carlton fans, oh, no, he actually told me that Vine was released. <laughs> now Started? I, I'm old enough to remember Vine, right? So the young kids out there, they have TikTok. When I was a, when I was a young lad, Vines were what it was all about. So mm. that actually scared me, that did, because that is a relic of Vine nowadays. Yeah, well, I was still in high school, which just feels like a way too long ago. And, yeah, I mean... We've we've talked about this every preseason. It's oh, are things going to start to change, particularly through the rebuild years? Is this finally the year that we start well and we see signs? And in the last few years, in particular, it's been um, hopefully we just compete well. And it's been up until maybe the third quarter or a little bit into the last, we're there neck and neck, and then we drop off. And I think to finally just break the duck to have that mental break is just going to be massive, massive for this playing group and. I think the way we won was just so massive. And so I've got to ask you, we've, we've beaten Melbourne in the preseason. We've now come out round one and smashed the Tigers. Is the lid off? Oh, massive. Like, 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 <laughs> the, the lid for me was off before this game. I, I was maybe a bit crazy, I think, compared to a lot of the socials. I know you guys were hot we were going to win as well. Mm. I felt like we're in the minority. I I didn't have any sense at any point during the game. I did the watch along. I had my feet up. I was relaxed. I knew we were going to win. And I think you've got to take the lid off. This is a different group Mm. now. This, I think what Voss showed us that game was, it was almost like, you know, in the Marvel universe, there's the reverse universe where you've got like the reverse flash. That was like reverse Carlton. It (laughs) was... They weren't the best team, quarter one to mm. quarter three. Probably Richmond were the better side on the whole. But that mm. four and took the game away. And that's what Richmond have done for probably the last four years to Carlton. Mm. It was it was an alternate universe. And it was a proper football team. 
Yeah. Oh, it's just so much to love about that performance, really from top to bottom. All the things you're mentioning, it was like the little signs we were seeing in the preseason game where midfield gets on top. We're actually covering the space and defending well. All these little things that we have not seen a Carlton team do. And you're just going, oh, I hope it's I hope it's not just preseason. But as you mentioned, like we were pretty hot on it here going. I mean, last preseason, we saw St. Kilda just waltz through us and kick goals for fun. That's what we saw in the real season. So you've got to take something out of those preseason games looking forward. And I think 100% the, the boys have shown it. And for me, as far as the lid, I think I said on one of the preseason episodes that if we beat Richmond, the lid will just completely blow off. And you should have heard me and Lockie chatting on the weekend that the morning after, I think we'd both had about two hours sleep on the plane for a couple of hours. And the whole apologies to anyone else on that plane ride because we were just so arrogant talking about Carlton up and about. The lid was completely off. And it's one of those things where I just don't think anyone outside of the Carlton world truly gets like what that win actually means. You see everyone making those jokes of, oh, Carlton, it's the, it's the grand final. We win one game and now we think we're going to win the premiership. But as we mentioned, we have not beaten Richmond for nine years. It's ridiculous to not have beaten a team for that long, particularly one that tends to be a bit of a rival considering you have that start. We haven't started the season 1-0 every single time. It's been 0-2, and two, which is even worse. Like we just can't get the start and the confidence built. We haven't seen footy in a few years and it's just we've had all these false dawns and we've seen little glimpses of Carlton. But this is the first time from top to bottom I think everyone's actually believing in what we're seeing. It isn't just false hope. And to go out there and finally get over that mental hurdle, I just think it's going to be massive for this group taking us forward. Is, is that how you're feeling with, with how we got the win? Yeah, I think in a professional realm, I work in development. So we took, I, I remember doing my preview and talking about in development, it's, it's people, humans are, are stupid. When they set themselves a goal, they look at the goal. They don't mm. see that the stage is. And a good example is a millionaire, right? No one sees the process of that millionaire. They just see him in a big six-bedroom house in the hills somewhere. But they don't see the trials and tribulations. And there will be a point in time that millionaire checked his bank balance and there was four figures there. There would have been a point in time where he checked it and there was five, six figures. Mm. There was a gradual progression. Genuinely in development, you're looking at first. Now, Cowan had eight players on their senior list who had ever started the year 1-0. Eight players. Mm. Only mm. one of them comes from Carlton, Ed Kerner. And technically, he's an Adelaide boy that we rookie drafted a couple of years after he was there. Mm. So that's one hurdle. Carlton had only ever led at half-time three times in the last 15 years in a round one fixture. So that was another big hurdle for the boys. Mm. And I said at half-time, that's the biggest hurdle for them. If they can go in at the break with a sniff of the lead... Your team talk's done for you. You're halfway there. Mm. You've done something. Most players haven't. Now we've got 22 players on the list who have started 1-0. That's a huge psychological mm. burden because the second game is always the pressure game for the boys, 0-2. Yeah. and two. And now it's flipped. We're 1-0. and zero. The doggies are 0-1. and one. If you're 0-2, and two, your statistical probability of making the eight is, is, is almost halved. Mm. So re- yeah. now we're going into this game. If we drop this game... Who cares? Like, really, yeah. that's how it is now. Going one and one, you would have taken that at the start of the year. Zero and two for the doggies is 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 game over. Mm. So Cowan now are living in realms of fantasy if they win that game. Imagine that, because two nil becomes four nil. That's a guarantee. 
Yeah, well, we were talking about that going into the season. We went through every single game trying to find out how many wins that we'd actually be getting, what was realistic, and just from what we were predicting, is that finals? And we had us going 3-1 and one to start the season. We had us losing to the Doggies. Because we've got, what, Gold Coast and Hawthorne up, you, you should back us in to win those games. If we're serious about playing finals, you beat the teams below you. So to knock off Richmond, get that confidence to start, new game plan, new system, you get that buy-in. If you, if you start to lose those early games, I think you start to mentally wonder, like these guys have had a few coaches. Some of them have had Bolton. Some of them have then had David Teague. Do you then go, oh, he's telling me to do this, but it's not working. And the last guy didn't work either. So you start to have those mental lapses where you're just not trusting, you don't have that belief, but it feels like everyone buys in so much more than we've ever seen. And I got to attribute that to just the leaders that we seem to have instilled and brought into this club, particular Vossi. And it was great to see it happen. And what I think I was most impressed by is you mentioned like different things that have happened in the past against Richmond. I'm so thankful that we got the scenario that it seems like we've had every single time over recent years where we're in the game, it's going okay, and then Richmond kick away. And it hit that point basically in the last quarter. They've kicked the last few of the third. Bolton goes in and kicks the first goal. I think it's like 20-odd points. Old Carlton just goes, well, that's it. We've lost. We tried hard enough. Oh, well. For us to persevere, dig in, actually play hard football, wrestle it away, I think that's massive. When, when that moment hit, when Bolton puts that goal through, how were you feeling? Were you starting to think that maybe it's just not going to be our night? No. No, honestly, I didn't know. And I'll tell you for why. When that goal goes in, watch Carlton at that centre bounce. They were at that centre bounce first. There was no talking, no looking at each other. They rush back to their spaces. I remember saying on the live, Cripper's got Satan running through his skin. <laughs> there was something in Cripper's eyes. I don't know what it was, but there was just something I saw in his eyes where it was, I ain't losing this. And mm. if you go back and watch, when Carlton kicked two in a row, we're at the centre bounce and everyone is staring at the umpire and Richmond call an emergency meeting. And that was when I knew we'd won because there was a look of panic on Richmond and how Carlton celebrated that goal, the goal goes through, they run back to their spaces. That was mm. a team that was like, we ain't got time to celebrate. Let's dig this, let's dig the knife in. We've got the knife in. Let's make sure we take some organs with it. Yeah, Carlton are a different breed now. And I think that comes from the leadership. And I thought the easily, the easiest three Brownlow votes ever awarded will be the guy behind me, Cripper. Cripper was 100%. sensational. But we talk about leaders... Cripper's reborn. He's he's something else. That's a different animal you're seeing. And that's Voss. Voss is running through his his brains now. He is mm. he is mini Voss. Yeah, and I, I think to have that last couple of seasons, he's had whatever injury issues, whatever you put it down to, but he has not performed at his best. And he was still out there. So you have to say you were fit enough to play. So you put your hand up to play. Regardless of what your form is, you've put that on yourself. And he's playing with that massive chip on his shoulder. You've heard him in the interviews, which I love this shift that it seems to be where every time you hear Cooper speak, he's like, can you just shut up with the injuries in my shit form? Like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just want to actually go on the field and show you what I've got. And that is just such a big shift in how we've been recently. And he's getting those set shots now. He's confident in just backing himself. 
he's just unbelievable. The way he's been able to draw those two or three plays that seems to be highlighted so often in that game to then allow, you know, your Hewitts, your Kennedys to get out there on the outside, get those forward handballs going in the clearances. Having Cripper back playing how he did a couple of years ago, honestly reckon he's playing even better, even though it's a small sample size. That is just ridiculously massive, massive for this group. I remember saying a couple of years ago, Cripper needs to be our Dustin Martin. And what I meant by that is not Dustin Martin skill-wise. He'll never be that player. Mm. But when Dustin Martin's playing well, and when you're watching that five play well, there is a confidence by him playing well around the playing group. Mm. It's I'd imagine it's like being a medieval warrior and fighting with Troy. You know, fighting mm. with Achilles. And Achilles mm. comes out to battle. And when you see Achilles, you know the guy's a mortal. So suddenly... I'm going to run harder. I'm going to wield my axe harder. That's what happened in the fourth quarter. When Cripper started doing that, you saw Lockie O'Brien go for that tough ball, win the free kick. You mm. saw Will Setfield make some nice moments. You saw a belief thinking, while he's playing like that, I ain't losing. And that mm. is what I mean by the Dustin Martin effect. It's now going to be the Patrick Cripps effect. Because when Cripps is in that form, imagine playing against him. He yeah. made Dustin Martin look Mickey Mouse at times. I, I didn't even notice Dusty out there, to be honest. He did absolutely nothing all game, which was just great to see. But, yeah, that – I mean, just like going back quickly to when, I guess, Bolton got that goal through. I remember sitting there and, unfortunately, for pretty much, yeah, my whole time supporting Carlton, it's been almost there and then it all turns to shit, basically. So it's hard for me to always 100% buy in. But even at that moment, I just remember thinking, like, gee, we've been – better than them for most of this game. And at the end of the last quarter, they got a couple of average free kicks and, and they converted their chances. And we've missed ours. Like we hit the post five times that game, which is just ridiculous. And all I could think was, if we just get the next one, I back us in here. And I, go, and I loved, I heard like Pitonet talk after the game and it was this lovely quote, which I think also sums up the, the mentality shift. It was saying, you don't have to score now. You just have to score next. And you could see that with the way we weren't rushing. It wasn't rushing the process of, oh, my God, it's panic stations. We've just got to get the ball forward. There was a systematic way of how we were moving the ball and how we were doing things. We were trusting it. We were slow with the tempo when we needed to be. Whereas in previous years, we try to do the tempo, hold the ball up, take time off the clock. But after two kicks, we go, oh, I can't, I'm, I'm going to stuff the ball up. I'm just going to bomb it long. Whereas this week it was okay, we can just hold the ball up for half an hour. Who cares? We've got the win. And, yeah, there's just so many things to like about about that performance. I think that's Port Adelaide. I remember last year when Port Adelaide had a few comeback behind wins, and I remember Travis Boat giving a great quote, and I remember using it on the Blue Abroad show, saying, I wish we were like that. And they said, was there any time that you felt worried? And Boat says, when you've got our system, you know that you're always, you only have to be in it by a couple mm. of goals and you know we have the capability when it goes right to kick six or seven in a cluster. That's what you saw from the boys. They believed in that system and you saw it in the fourth, what belief does. When they mm. got level, you saw they were like, hang about, this is quite easy, this. Mm. Like, all we've got to do is tap it down. One of us handballs it out. We kick a goal. It's not bad, this game. And mm. if that game had gone on for 10 minutes more, that could have been a 100-point win. Like that, they honestly, that there was something that will be the game when we win the next flag. 
you'll be like, that was the game. That was the game mm. where we went from being laughing stock to fear. Um, if I'm the doggies, I'm worried this week. I don't want to play them. Mm. Oh, worst time for the doggies to play us coming off their loss. They might not have Bond. They're not looking amazing. Beveridge has lost his head as well, so that's another great thing. Doesn't matter who's coaching us. Doesn't matter. I think we've we've got the win, but just that midfield in that last quarter lifted. Something we talked about a lot last year where we were worried about the personnel. We're worried about how if you're comparing us to so many other teams, our midfield looked weak and the stats showed that we weren't dominating there. The way that Vossi has worked this system, it, it it's a lazy comparison, but it reminds me of the way that I guess Melbourne won the premiership last year. It was lure the guys in, forward handball over the top into space, gives you the extra five, 10 meters to get a deeper entry. And I think early on in the game, that's where we struggled. We were trying to be too cute, entering the ball into forward 50. It was these short kicks and we weren't getting the ball in the good user's hands anyway, to start with for those like Cripper was trying to do them. And there is still that, you know, know your limitations and clearly the game plan and how we are playing isn't perfect. But when we got it right, we dominated. And I think when Fisher got that goal through, like I was level two at the front, there was a little sort of railing. I was doing the ultimate warrior on the ropes, just going <laughs> absolutely nuts. And like, that was the moment where I just sat there and all I could think was we're going to beat them by 10 goals. They are done. As you mentioned, you could tell from the body language that this was a team that was up and about. We had the crowd, Richmond supporters started leaving. I'm looking at the time going, man, you're a couple goals down. But even they knew that the game was absolutely done. And yeah, like what else did you absolutely love from that performance positive-wise? Zach Williams toweling up. For, he, he was on Dustin Martin for three quarters. Mm. Sard went for him in the fourth. But Zach Williams had a tough job when he came in the forward line because that's where Dusty yeah. genuinely has his moments. I thought that's his worst result against Carlton as well, Dusty, for a long time. Mm. I think shout out to Zach Williams. I've got to give him a bit of love there. He's got a good surname. But <laughs> if you told me at the start of the game, Zach Williams is going to go against Dusty Martin, I would have laughed at you. But I'll tell you what, Dusty credited. I think the other takeout was in the fourth quarter as well. Carlton just, if you watch the fourth quarter, every time we had a behind, we didn't protect the wing. We literally said to Richmond, we know where you go. We flooded the corridor. There was loads of times that you saw... Zach Fisher literally leave his man out on the halfback flank with no one around him, basically saying, you don't like going down. And Richmond score 80% of their points through the corridor. We know they don't like it. That was tactical genius saying, mm. look, we know where you want to go. So go somewhere you don't. Make them play into the spaces that they're not very good at. And you saw what happened. The ball went on the halfback flank. They had to go in the corridor. And they looked for that sharp kick. We intercepted it. Doherty did it twice. McGovern mm. did it three times. Cowton, that was a tactical domination in the fourth as well. It wasn't just the players. Voss was taking the piss as well towards the end. Like, Richmond didn't lose that game. They were humiliated. Mm. They were Like, if I'm Richmond now, I'm requesting to move to Tasmania. <laughs> oh, you'd want to after that. But, like, you mentioned that perfect moment because I noticed that a few times. I was fortunate that my seats were basically behind the goal. So I got to see quite a lot of the actual system and where players were lining up and moving. And that one of the big stark differences from last year and the years prior were 
there are a few times that, yeah, Richmond starts to get the ball out wide and previous Carlton, Richmond just run through us. They find ways to just cut through the gaps, score within two seconds. And there was just a few moments where I noticed we were just so much smarter in where we were positioning ourselves and communicating with where others should go. And we found time to just delay like just like two, three seconds of, of the Richmond player actually moving the ball on or instead of actually just taking that mark for that stand rule and then them being able to play on or got that handball, we are just like, nah, mate, we don't need anyone on the mark. I'll go 10 metres back and actually guard the this, this space that's dangerous. And you found there were a few moments where, yeah, last few years, Richmond just go through us. No, they had nowhere to go. They, they took that extra two seconds, looked around. Well, shit, that's normally where I'd carve through Carlton. They've got men there. Go to turn around, got nowhere to go. And as you mentioned, it caused those interceptions while forcing Richmond to play a way they did not want to play. And like I noticed those little things against Melbourne too in the preseason, the way that we were able to actually defensively man the field is just a ridiculous contrast from the last few seasons. Voss and the, the assistant coaches so far need a lot of plaudits for the, the way they've handled things for the preseason, for the guys to, one, get the buy-in and actually do it already. It's insane. Well, I mean, I think one of the best teams in the competition um, who is a tactical genius in the way he makes opposition play is, is Chris Scott because he plays at a ground that is alien in dimension. Mm. So you watch him when he's at his home ground, he naturally funnels sides to play through the corridor. He takes away the width of that ground because mm. it's so narrow and he funnels it through the corridor, and every team buys into it because it's a smaller ground. And if you ever go to Simmons, it's noticeably smaller yeah. as well. It's, it, it's almost like a pretend stadium. It's like someone's made a joke stadium. And he's a genius at doing it, but the top teams funnel play to where they want. And if you want to see when people say Pom hates Teague, I don't hate him. I don't hate anyone. But what you'll see in that fourth quarter is why I hated Teague because he allowed teams to dictate where we played. And it was usually they give you the wide part of the ground. And you saw Richmond, who are a very good using side, how hard it is to play from them avenues. Mm -hmm. It's a direct kick. You're having to take the game on. You're forced to kick to a contest. And Carlton lapped it up. I mean, Mitch McGovern, by about mm -hmm. 10 minutes into the fourth, I, I was trying to get the whereabouts of his brother, Jeremy. I was like, maybe they've swapped places. Oh, 100%. I don't know I don't know what's going on with Mitch. Like I've been I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I have been the number one ticket holder, creator, founder of the Mitch McGovern Appreciation Society. I've been trying to big him up the whole time and he's just never rewarded me. And I'm starting to lose a bit of faith, but they've switched him back and I do not know what player we have got here. And I think there's there's so many aspects of why he's playing how he is. But I, I think it all just, for me, everything's coming down to how a coach is finally rewarding players by giving them a system that works with their attributes. What's, what's Mitch good at? He's a really good user of the footy. He's a really good mark. So you've chucked him down there. He's reading the play a lot better. He's in those right places. He loves to compete, but sometimes he can just get, you know, found out when he was forward and he wasn't always in the play. Chuck him in the back line where he has to be accountable. He has to be in the thick of it. And we're seeing the reward so far. I'm shattered he didn't end up getting that goal because I think he just deserved that little bit of 
you know, cheering from the Carlton fans out of there. I think we, we saw that maybe late with a Lockie O'Brien gets that goal and hopefully that can give him a bit of confidence. But yeah, Jeremy out there, Mitch is just dominating so far. Well, I mean, his ball use, I said at half time, I was actually convinced Sam Walsh should put on a Mitch McGovern suit. Like <laughs> his ball use was like, I was saying at half time, maybe the change should be put him on the ball. Because every time he kicked it, he was just nailing targets. Mm. Some of them kicks in traffic as well, where he Insane. managed to pick out a Carlton player in between four Richmond players. I've I've never seen Mitch do that. I know he's a good mm. kick, but he, like honestly, Mitch McGovern, smoky maybe for all Australian, dare we say it. Oh, if he keeps playing like that, like he has to be in the conversation. I, I think I said, uh, maybe one of my predictions in the season where I said he might make the All-Australian 40. I didn't think he'd make the actual squad, but after that performance, maybe maybe I've got to change my prediction because like, he could be in there. We saw like oh. a Lear Lear come out of nowhere at Port where no one really rated him that highly. You gave him that role, used his attributes. If we can get that kind of performance out of Mitch all season, that's All-Australian. Well, I, I was going to say, you remember last year, a certain Mr. Third mm. Fault defender, Aaliyah Aaliyah, stole Wheatering's spot. Yeah. You never know, this year, M- Mitch McGovern might be the guy that ruins Wheatering's party and <laughs> he sneaks, sneaks in. And I'll tell you what, if that happens, that's great for the football club. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, it, it, honestly, like I'm not, I'm never too fast about those kind of awards personally like I think it's great for the individual but I've now just over the last few years I just want to win games of football that's that's all I've been about and those awards come from that and I think that's what you're going to see that there's a chance that we our backline ends up becoming the whole Australian backline because you've got Sadi just playing some ridiculous football I don't know how he can run as fast as he does and deliver some of the balls inside 50 and even when he shanks it, he still hits Cripper, beautifully lays out, and we get a goal from it. There's, there's does not seem to be anything this guy can't do. And, and I think much like Zach Williams' role, when you're asking these guys to defend in the system where the midfield isn't getting overrun, where they feel confidence in what they're trying to do, that someone else is always going to be there to cover you if you make a mistake, we're seeing them defend so much better than we've ever seen them before. I, I thought it starts in selection. And I remember a few people PM'd me when the team came out and there were the commonly problems that Carlton have. And the biggest question I got asked was, where's Ed Kerner? And my response was, Carlton, if we are the old Carlton, it's, oh shit, Richmond are pretty good. There's shit around the sensor clearances. Let's bring in an extra body. Break the glass. Emergency Ed Kerner. And I was like, I loved Vossi, literally picked, in my opinion, the best 22 players mm. of the very limited preseason we've seen. And I thought, with the exception of Charlie Kerner, because he only played one game, I was like, that was probably the best 22 players in order on the field. Mm. Whether you like it or not, I think Voss showed us something there. I ain't picking players on rep. I ain't picking players because they used to be good. He's picking Mm. players that he knows have given him something. And I think then if you go a bit further, where's Paddy Dow? Well, Paddy Dow Mm. now has a gateway to get into this football club. He's going to have to be in the top five midfielders in our football club to get a sniff of a game. Mm. And that if we have Voss and that mentality 2017, Dow may be a Brownlow medalist at this point. 
So what you're seeing now is a team that will develop very quickly because Voss has proven to us, I don't pick players because I like them. I don't pick players because they're nice and tell me I'm right. Pick players because they give me the best 22 in training that week. And if we do that, you know what? Sky's the limit because there's a lot of improvement in this side. That's not the finished article. That wasn't a perfect game against Richmond. There was times these boys were a little bit shithouse, let's be honest. Mm. But their work ethic hid their shitness. When that becomes like Melbourne where it's not crap, it's good, and the work ethic's there, you're talking Carlton can run over sides 80-90. In my opinion, I watched Mm. every game. I would say the midfield on show by Carlton is the best midfield in the comp after round one. I reckon we're the guys to beat. You throw Sam Walsh into that and they can keep that intensity. No midfield in the comp will fear Cal. No, no, we won't fear any mid. Like next mm. week, the doggies are good. They're a good midfield. These boys won't be looking at Dunkley and Bond and McRae as not, they'll, they'll be looking at them their equals. And you know what? I reckon we beat the doggies next week. Mm. No, I back that in. And I mean, it's crazy to think we still have the best footballer in the AFL to come back into that midfield. And people are making the the the, the, uh, the questions out there going, oh, well, are we going to have to chuck him out on the wing? Does he even get into this side because of how good everyone's playing? And to see, you know, Cripper at his best. And we don't even need Cripper to be getting those 30 disposals and three goals per week. It's nice and we'd love it. But if he's getting 20, but setting up everyone else, drawing those players to create space, kicking one goal a game, that's perfect. But he has the ability to go bigger. We're now seeing Kennedy playing with confidence. He looks the fittest and, you know, thinnest I've ever seen him. He's covering the ground so much better. His ball use is improving for me. And we know he's so hard and tough. And it's probably that Voss influence because you've got him, you've got Hewitt, you've got Cripper, just hard at it. And even a Chera, who I've been super high on. I watch a lot of Frio myself. And so I was so excited when we were linked to him in the first place because not only is he that, but he's the class on the outside. You add Sam Walsh into that that can do all of it. As you mentioned, we went from last year going, gee, who's in our midfield? It's all one-dimensional. It's boring. We're going to struggle against the good teams to – Gee, we're good now. And imagine a couple of years as well once all these guys have played together because we could see glimpses of it where we're doing those really good handballs and finding our players and they already seem to have a ridiculous amount of chemistry between them. But imagine once I've actually played a full season, they're doing those ridiculous handballs out of nowhere. They can just they know where everyone is meant to be and they're just going to absolutely run through teams. Oh, Adam Chair and Judd. And Sam Walsh cousins. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell oh, you what, I, I, I have little vibes about Walsh and Chera. I think Walsh and Chera, Pom's big call, 22nd of March, 2022. I reckon in 10 years' time, Walsh and Chera will be remembered as the Judd and cousins of their generation, minus the ice addiction. <laughs> I, I reckon that's how, how big they'll be because I was watching that game and thinking... Jesus, chair is classy. So's mm. Walsh, though. Can you imagine them two having them little cute handballs in the middle? It could be something that Cowton probably haven't seen going back to the 70s, that kind of domination. And next week's a great game for the boys because yeah. Richmond are that team that they want stoppages. Richmond ran... That was why I was confident. I said the numbers told me we couldn't possibly lose because Richmond either want a quick clearance or they create a stoppage. That's their two methods, and they set up with that mentality. Doggies, though, 
they don't play defensive in the centre mm. in the stoppages. They look to get that ascendancy like Voss does. This could be one of the great shootouts. It could be could be something like the OK Corral in shootouts because both of these sides don't want to give anything up in the middle. It could be a most free-flowing game. It could possibly be the fight of the season. It could be. It's mm. one of them great style matchups. It's the Mayweather versus Pacquiao. It's that type of fight because both them midfields, they look to score from it. And I think next week will be one of the greatest games we'll see in excitement-wise because potentially they only know one way and it could be a high-scoring mm. affair. And I'm happy we're getting these tests early as well just to figure out where we are because you talk about Richmond. All of a sudden, every journalist is coming out saying, oh, yeah, Carlton won, but we know Richmond are finished. They're at the end of their dynasty. Whereas a week ago, it was, oh, Richmond are a lock in for, into finals. They're back. We saw it in preseason. We saw it at the back end of last year. So it's insane how quickly that narrative changed as soon as the baggers absolutely destroyed them. But to get a team that we, we've historically struggled against in the last few years, come out, beat them, show them that they're the pretenders that they are, then to come up against the team that lost in the grand final, a team that has so much to prove, team that is has been a lot better than us over the past few years, if we can go out there and get that win and perform to the, the standard that we did, particularly in that last quarter, again, the belief grows and we're just starting to prove it to everyone else as well because we've all had the faith and belief that this team, that the players in there have the talent and they can unlock it. I think we're just starting to see the signs that this team can go massively in the end of the season. And yeah, if we can, if we get the beat the doggies, that's four and zero, like you said, and who knows where that goes because you, you've seen what Melbourne did last year when they just win after win after win, the momentum grows. And yeah, I, I'm so excited to see what happens. I always look at Claudio Ranieri when he used to manage Leicester and they won the league title. Mm, and I remember yeah. I watched a documentary on him and he said how the ethos in the dressing room was and, the first eight weeks when they kind of were at the top of the table, it was kind of like, oh, this is fun, isn't it? Jesus, it's a little bit vertigo up here. We've never been here before. And then the next eight games were kind of like a belief. And it was like, mm. oh, well, you know what? We're going to stay in this league. Let's have a sniff at the eight and try and get in Europe. And then the last 16, he said the next two lots of eight games, the last 16 games, there was a mentality started coming across the side. I think they had eight games where they were 1-0 down with 10 minutes to go and they won, which is huge. And he mm. said there was a belief that they started to become immortal, that this group started to think all we got to do is turn up and we win. It became forgone in their minds that all they had to do was play football and they would win. That's what you're going to see with this side. And I think doggies are going to be in a world of trouble with how high Carlton are at the moment if they keep the first three. If Carlton keep the first three, they're suddenly going to be like, hang about. We've just beaten mm. the best team in the comp, Melbourne, who backed it up the next week and destroyed the doggies. We've just beaten the best dynasty of the last decade in Richmond. We're now playing the pretenders and we're three goals to zero up after yeah. five minutes. And I, I could see Carlton having one of them games where we will destroy a team this year. Mm. I, I reckon it'll be like an Essendon or Collingwood. There'll be a game where Carlton just literally go full, like kind of mm. PG, R18 type destruction. Do you know what I mean? It, it's going to be, I reckon when we play Collingwood, someone will upload the hi highlights to Pornhub. <laughs> It'll be that oh, I hope so. And 
I feel like the way that we played out that game was just so professional as well. Like I mentioned how we were just holding the ball up that I haven't seen us doing ever really any Carlton team I've ever seen play. And so that gives me the belief that if we do go up and if we do start to get that lead, it's not going to be what it has been of the last few years where we're four goals up with six minutes to go and you're sitting there just shitting yourself thinking, oh, they are going to stuff this up. There's no chance. I've seen us do this before. The avalanche is just going to happen at some stage. And, and the more that we can do this, the more than the fans are going to believe. Like I had so many people around me at the footy when we were, you know, even just a couple of goals down in the third quarter that were going, oh, this is garbage. I'm sick of watching this, like same old Carlton. And I, yeah. I was I mean, I did tell the guy to go home if he wasn't happy watching it because what's the point? Like, support your team. But, like, you just need to believe. Like, the players out there, what, are they just going to go home as well? They just go, oh, Richmond have kicked a goal, so that's the game. Like, you've got to believe in this group. And from everything we're starting to see, I think that's there. But, obviously, there are so many positives from that performance. You touched on it a little bit that there are still some negatives. We're not the finished article. What from that game for you were, and maybe not we phrase as negatives, but things that we can clearly improve on to become that, you know, premiership team, that team that goes on to win multiple flags? I I think the first quarter, and you summarised it pretty well, we've been too cute. Um, it reminded me, if anyone watches the round ball, I always use that as an example for the foreigners that do watch us as well. <laughs> if you remember Pellegrini at Man City and then the legend that is Guardiola came in, once they change their system, which Carlton have had a dramatic system change, you've got to mm. remember that. You've kind of gone from a go out and enjoy yourself mentality to a, a structured, regimented, this is what we do, this is where you are at all times mentality. When that works, you used to see it with Man City. There was a kind of, oh my God, this is working and trying to force the ball from yeah. the goal. As opposed to, because they were enjoying it, there was an excitement. And they were like, I just want to get it in and get the results. And I remember Guardiola doing a press conference saying the boys need to realise that it doesn't matter when you score, whether it's the first minute or the 90th minute, this system is designed to win games. And mm. they've just got to back the system in and chances will come. You saw that, and I think that's what Vossi said to them in the fourth. You're making the chances, just let nature take its course. Mm. That's what they need to do. They need to learn to maybe not force it because a lot of them goals Richmond scored it's bread and butter for them. It's transition football. It's where they mm. score a staggering 70 points in their championship winning year was from transitional goals. That's a lot of points per game. So that's what Carlton need to learn to do. Just, you know, back that system in a bit more in the final third. I think mm. it will come though when Harry, but that was my big negative. The boys did try at times to pepper inside 50 where there was in the fourth, you saw a bit more calmness players going backwards instead of going inside 50 and saying, let's just get the right inside 50. But Carlton were staggering. People slate them for it. 48% of inside 50s resulting in scores, which would put you top two mm, in most AFL years. And like even last year, the biggest thing everyone was talking about negatively was, gee, how bad are our inside 50s? Like we're getting looks, but we just stuff it up every single time. So it's clearly an area that, it will take a little bit. It's something I've called for a little bit. Like there are some need for some patience because uh, new coach, new system. I did the stats. I went back to about 2012, like a couple of weeks ago and said that it's only been about, yeah, four teams 
out of the 20 that finished, you know, outside the eight, got a new coach that have been able to actually go into the eight the next year. So sometimes it just takes a little bit, but I mean, I I think we'll get in and the way we're playing, it looks like that, but there's just those little things. There are multiple times, even I think, you know, late in that third and whatnot, where we were still trying to be too cute. And then the next time, we just deliver it that little bit longer, that little bit deeper. We were able to lock it in and create a chance. So I think it, it's getting there and it's only one game. And I think that's probably what the biggest positive for me just was from that game was it wasn't perfect. We had so many errors. We That first quarter wasn't great. Third quarter, we didn't take our chances. We, we weren't playing the, the perfect brand. The fact that we're willing to dig in, just keep keep at it, play that hard football, that's the biggest positive. And um, one that is maybe a positive, maybe a negative. I guess, what did you make of the fact that, you know, Harry, Charlie and TDK only got one goal between them? Do you see that as and maybe a bit of an issue? Or do you see that as just a, a once-off and a, a fact that we're going to be even better when they are scoring goals? I genuinely enjoyed it because I thought we are in, Walsh obviously wasn't there. He was sat in the stands and Harry pretty much would put their hand up and say every one of the last two years wins. It's all because of us or 90% because of we've had a game that's ridiculous, ridiculous over the average. What I actually thought it was a positive because it Mm. turns me on to see the midfield all had equal numbers. It turned me on to see the back line. Oscar probably did the best work in the fourth over Wietering. So I, I think that's a positive account because I think there can be a time where, do you remember in 2018, 2019, they used to say no Crips, no Carlton, tagging yeah. out the game, Carlton had done. No Harry was last year. I heard people say no McKay, no Carlton. What's really important is the players will believe that as well. They'll start mm-hmm. thinking, oh shit, we win games because Harry kicks eight. That game will tell them, well, you know what? You could argue no Bam Bam, no Carlton. <laughs> And then Chair will say, well, actually, it's no Chair and no Carlton. And then Mitch McGovern's going to be like, well, hang about. No, Mitch, no Carlton. And when it becomes mm. a team buy-in, that's when the great sides do it. You look at Melbourne last year, in my opinion, probably one of the best flag victories because they yep. came from so far back. Every game, that had probably a different contributor. It wasn't mm. always track. It wasn't always Oliver. There was always someone else. Ed Langdon came out of his shell. Yep. You could argue track was the biggest disappointment ever at the start of that year, ended the year in sensational form. So for me, it doesn't bother me because you know Harry and Charlie were in the right spaces at the right times. It's going to take a while to get that link because you've got to remember these guys have never played together. And I think when it clicks, Jesus, how do you stop that forward line? Yeah. Uh, It's a hard thing because like Charlie definitely doesn't look 100% just yet, but who is after missing that much football, new system, haven't really played with a lot of these players in that forward line anyway. So I think, yeah, time will be on their side and they will be playing a lot better. But I agree with you. Knowing that so many other players were able to stand up and even guys that didn't have a good game, Jack Martin only really showed up in that last quarter. Zach Fisher played really, I remember like two touches from him. One of those is that important goal. And that's the big difference between a team that, is going to finish outside the eight and be just a, a average team in the AFL. And one that can push further is when it's your time to stand up and do something, you go and you do it. 
And yeah, I, I think there's so many positives. The way Corey Durden was just playing all day, trying hard. Even always, I thought was was in there doing little things. Didn't get that reward on the score sheet, but I think there's so many little players like that that will, will keep that pressure up in that forward line. And eventually, they're going to get their one or two every week. It's only one of a handful of times Carlton have had double figures of forward fifty tackles, which is huge. Mm. You know I mean, a handful of times in the last five years. I think it's six. I can't remember the start. I had it in my review preview, my review video. I think it's six times in five years, which that's alarming because that's yeah. a top, top side. It takes pressure off the defence. But we haven't talked about one guy who I thought is the secret for us winning a flag, Mr. Sam Doherty. And I, oh. I actually think he's a superhero. I, I do. I, I don't think he's of this realm. I was literally about to say, I can't believe we've gone almost 45 minutes without talking about the one person that was at the top of my run sheet here. <laughs> oh, Sam Doherty. I genuinely don't know what to say. I, I've i never re- – probably the Jack Nunes goal is the only thing that comes close to the amount of times I've gone back and watched Sam Doherty in that game. Just oh, what, a, what a human being. Like I just cannot believe everything that that guy has gone through in his life to still wanting to even play AFL, even worrying about that. You hear all the stories of him as soon as he you know, gets diagnosed again, he's just like, I'm playing round one. I don't care. It's going to happen. And everyone's just going, it's okay, man. Like, no stress. We'll, we'll come to that. And he's like, I don't care. It's happening. I'm playing round one. And gets that little opportunity in the twos, but has 38 touches, absolutely dominates. And the one thing from him throughout the whole game was I've never seen someone just be working so hard. There was an amazing point and it happened a few times, but they had a Richmond had a breakaway on the wing and you could just see previous years. We probably don't try as hard to chase them down. We know that they're through. We're not going to chase them. We're not quick enough. Doherty was just busting his ass to chase him down and he didn't get there in the end, but just knowing that someone is not giving up chasing behind you adds a little bit of pressure and he doesn't get the quick kick quite there. I think Gov brings it down. Bolton ends up just being too good and picks it up. And then Cripper from about, you know, I don't even know where this man came from. He ran the entire length of the ground to put the pressure on, ends up being a point. And it's just these little things. And Doherty just did that all game. And I mean, what a moment. His first touch, whole crowd, even Richmond supporters getting up to clap him in. I mean, his goal was just perfect. Even if we lost that game, it doesn't matter. And I, I loved with that goal as well. It it wasn't just that, oh, yes, he's kicked a goal for Carlton. It was just, that's for you, man. Everything that you've gone through, all the adversity, that's your moment. And, yeah, oh, I don't think I've ever cried so many times watching just a bit of footage. It's insane. Well, I mean, defence wins your championship, so they say. And I, I mm. think that backline makeup is is it, sex on grass, really. I mean, you've Doc and Sad going at high 90s, kicking efficiency as well, really. It shows how good Carlton were when they were under a bit of pressure. But Doc, mm. what a superhero. Oh. Beat cancer twice. I mean, that kills you. Do you know what I mean? That kills yeah. you. Beat ACLs, that kills your football career. He's done that twice. And to be lining up round one, what an inspiration around the club. If you're a young footballer, you look at him and you think this guy has had something that could have killed him twice, destroyed his career twice, but he's still training harder than me, still working harder than me. If that doesn't get you up and about mm. every game, I, I don't know what the hell will. And what a player, what a superhero yeah. he is. I love that moment. I think I'm like you. I've watched that 
probably five times at least a day since it happened, that goal. What a goal, what a moment. Yeah. The way the players got around him, super player, superhero. And mm. God, let's uh, let's see him do it all year as well, yeah. getting the AA. Just, just beautiful stuff. Like he could have easily just gone out there and, oh, uh, like I don't want to be like rude or make light of the situation, but that little bit of a, oh, well done. You've gone back and, and you're playing AFL, like just, and that's it. No, he goes out there, has 26 touches, kicks a goal, was important in multiple occasions in that game. That is just sums up him. And, and like you mentioned, how can you be a player in that squad, whether it's training in a game, looking around, seeing him work as hard as he can with everything he's had to deal with and not put in an effort. Like you would have to be the laziest person in the world to look at him working that hard and go, oh, no, I don't have to do it. It's a bit hard, isn't it, chasing that player? Like if, it, if he can do it, you can. And it's hopefully that's another part of that inspiring leadership that can take this, this team forward. Uh, I guess were there any other massive positives that you saw um, that maybe haven't been touched on? I thought seeing a general team buy-in in the terms of there was many a time I saw around stoppages, chairs ordering people where to be. George Hewitt did it a few times, telling people to come in, fill in this hole. That's the first time I've ever seen a Cowden team look like there was more than one person allowed to talk to players. Mm. Usually it seems to come from just the captain, but there was many a time I saw Wheatering, who's one of the vice captains, order Doc where to be. It, and things like that. And that is a big thing for me yeah. because the top teams, it doesn't matter if you're captain. And that stands out what Voss said at the start of the year. It's an ownership as the leadership group on the entire group. And I have a mm. leader and two vices, but the rest of the club is leaders. And yeah. you actually saw that for once where players were saying, get in here. I saw Lockie O'Brien at one of the stoppages ordered Zach Williams to tuck in behind him. And I'm like, that's huge. Yeah. That there's a buy-in saying, well, you know what? I don't have to ask Crips if I can tell mm. someone what to do. I see it. I demand it. And that is a sign of a very good team. Mm. That's what I was noticing and I mentioned on the pod against Melbourne as well, where as soon as we lose possession of the ball, every single player is pointing at someone and directing and saying, you take this space, I'll go here. And sometimes a player was pointing and the other guy was like, nah, you do this. And to have everyone communicating, every single player making sure everyone is where they need to be, that's what good teams do. So it's good to see us, uh, I guess, finally do that. Probably a positive, a player that hasn't been talked about a lot. He's not going to be the flashiest player, but I thought I was really impressed with his performance, particularly when I watched it back. I didn't notice him a lot in the in the game the first time, but just did a couple of things I was really impressed with, and that was Will Setterfield just does his role on that wing. I'm, you know, I'm still not hundred percent sold on it, but his efforts, second efforts to win the ball back, just to get a touch on it, just to get a slight block on a player. The amount of times that won us possession of the football and got us in a better position than when he wasn't at that contest. It just happened so many times. It was great to see. And his usage, that ball inside 50 late in that quarter as well, last quarter, magnificent if we can get him using that football well and just doing those little things he could hopefully be one of those players that melbourne were you know plotted for last year where these no-name players were stepping up and now becoming superstars of the game because they were in the great system and, and leading to wins and yeah I, I liked what i saw from him at least yeah, he was really strong. I think that's our problem position wing. I do mm. think that's probably where we lack a lot of depth of natural yeah. ones. 
And I love the fact Voss has started with two guys that have played a lot of wing football as juniors as well. I think that makes sense. Before you start reinventing the wheel and making Sada winger <laughs> or Docker winger, like give yeah. the guys a chance who actually know how to play that role. Because like you say, systems make players. And there's many times in a lot of sports that players have left from being very exceptional in a good system to a team where they can be a superstar because they're a brand name and looked woeful because the mm. system has made them look good. I like Serfield's game. I think he gets another gig for me. I think I think it's going to be an interesting thing when Walsh is fit because there'll be that yeah. temptation for Voss. Who do I drop? And at the moment, Bam Bam is undroppable. So yes. Setterfield and O'Brien are probably fighting for that dropping spot. Mm. It's going to be interesting 100%. I think that was one of the, the fan questions we had was, you know, what do you do? Like who actually gets dropped when he when Walsh is ready? But I'm happy to literally just park that. Let these guys have a couple of weeks while while Walsh is still getting fit because a lot can change. And maybe it, it comes to a stage where those guys have locked down those roles and someone else is getting dropped from a different position to make way. So I'm definitely excited from that. Probably my one negative to maybe wrap up the game. Um, I, I was lo- would love to get your thoughts on this because it happened in the Melbourne game. It's happened again. We got a lot of free kicks and a lot of 50-meter penalties, which I think we actually did quite well to earn them in the first place. But are you slightly worried that we're maybe relying a little bit too much on that as an avenue to score at all? Or are you just seeing that being a product of how we are playing the game? Well, I think it's a product of under pressure. You make the opposition make mistakes. Carlton love giving away free kicks and then we go on these type of shows and blame the umpires. But it's really (laughs) ill-disciplined. But... I think if you watch all the games this week, there was a lot of these 50s. The players are taking a while to get used to the frustration. Mm. They've clamped down on running over the mark. And I thought a lot of the 50s were punishment for Richmond because they genuinely pushed the boundaries. And it was nice to see, especially Mr. Edwards, being the prickly human he is. Do you know what I mean? The the classic Hilux driver he is. You know, (laughs) getting a bit of just desserts for being a bit of a gobby shite. And I love that 50 he conceded where he just tossed the ball away petulantly, <laughs> which he always does. And I was and like, couldn't believe it too, which was the best part. He's like, what do you mean? It's like, mate, there's nothing between your ears, you bell end. <laughs> uh, but, but you see, and it's a product of the game now. And I thought I yeah. think people can use that as a negative. I'd say it's a positive we didn't concede them because it means mm. we're, we know the rules and we keep our discipline. We're buying into that game. We're playing our game. And if you want to be a dickhead and concede a 50, we'll snag a goal. 100%. No, I love that. So we'll we'll get into the votes. Firstly, I'll go to the fan votes. Uh, We ask you every week to send them in, and you guys did it in droves, which was lovely to see. I'll start with the one, which was awarded to uh, Adam Chera. He ended up with 13 votes there. Uh, Second is Matty Kennedy on 34, and the runaway winner um, that takes out the three with 51 votes was, of course... Paddy Cripps, it had to be him after that performance. Uh, I mean, I will say right now that my votes were exactly the same. It was Chera 1, Kennedy 2, Cripper 3. How have you gone, Pommy? Who do you give the 3-2-1 to? 3 Cripps, 2 Chera, 1 Mr. Adam Saad. Yeah, I like that. I I thought he had a a ripper game. I love Saad's game. I thought it was – I thought he won us – the game at times, the way that he was willing to burst out of transition and give mm. us some use by foot. So I, I really enjoyed his game. But I think that one vote could have gone to 18 Heaps people. 
Yeah. Oh, it was a hard, it was a hard one to narrow down in the end. There were so many guys that played a role and did what they needed to do. Um, but let's chat about the Western Bulldogs game. We've talked a little bit about it. In a little short snapshot, how do we beat the Doggies, Palm? Pretty much more of more of what you saw against Melbourne, I would say. The game against Melbourne is probably the template. The Doggies had moments of success against Melbourne, but interesting, Melbourne's numbers were never as good as they were against Carlton around the ground, and they mm. did pepper the Doggies. So we did experience a Melbourne that's on fire. We just managed to negate them. So it, I think it's starting early with them. Uh, it's making sure that your ball use is deep. Um, they don't have the tallest backline and the most efficient backline. Mm. So it's about getting them real deep entries. Against Richmond, they were probably, in my opinion, 20 metres too short, which yeah. allows for interceptions. You want that on the goal square, bring it to ground, put a bit of pressure on them or take the mark. But literally, it's play the way that we did. If Carlin can play the way they did, keep the intensity. Doggies are a hot and cold team. The attacking drubs. They're quite happy to control the tempo of the game. Carlton did really well against Richmond of stopping the tempo control and making them have to get rid of possession. You've got to do that against the Doggies. They're a very good, mm. very strong outfit, the Doggies, though. You can't let them control it. You've got to keep that intensity. They do it for four quarters. They win this game comfortably. Mm. No, I think I agree with everything you've said there, particularly like their shorter back line. If we can get... Harry out there, a bit more confidence, kicking just a couple of goals. I think we could absolutely run over the top of them. You've seen in, in previous years, we seem to always play well against them. Imagine when we finally got a system that works. We've got a couple extra midfielders in there to, to win the ball out. I'm surprisingly really confident, whereas probably a couple of weeks ago, I saw this as just a, yeah, probably lose that one. Now it's, I can't see us losing, which is probably the dumbest thing to ever say, but I just feel like the doggies there, they're struggling. There is something there. And maybe it's that big defeat in the grand final where something mentally, they're starting to question each other. They're losing a bit of belief. You're seeing the head coach lose it a little bit too. I reckon if we, if we get the win, they could genuinely struggle to make the eight because of confidence and, and everything. So this is the perfect time to play them. And I'm pretty excited with that. We don't have Vossi out there. Is that much of an issue for you? Or are you saying this is just another opportunity to to try and figure out how to win? I don't, I don't think it's an issue. I mean, in the EPL, it's happened a lot and coaches have been coaching by video camera. And obviously, with today's technology, it's mm. as good as being at the game. And the AFL have confirmed it will be done by a video link. So Voss is going to get real-time footage, real-time all the stats, he'll be able to make the decisions just not in person. So I yeah. don't think it's a huge thing. I, I really don't. And and Hansen as well is a very experienced user. He's he, he's coached this side as well. He, yeah. he knows the insides of this side better than most. He knows them. And like you say, Carlton match up with this side very well. For some reason, you look at our list and their list, you could argue talent's different at times, but facet-wise, it's identical. So mm. they don't like playing us. We seem to have moments. And there's a lot of players on that list. And Mr. Charlie Kerner has had some of his greatest moments against these Muppets. So I'd back him in to do it again. Mark my words, I reckon Mackay and Kerner will conspire for seven goals. Can you imagine if Kerner comes out and kicks seven? My oh. 
goodness. Oh, <laughs> the lid will be truly oh, off for me. That no lid will ever exist. Good luck putting a lid on that. Good luck. But, yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think it's the best team to be playing for Hanson to be up against. It kind of works out okay. Um, but going to team selection, obviously we know Jack Martin is out. Who do you have coming in to replace him? Because I guess looking at the list, I'm struggling to find a, a really good replacement. It, for me, it would have been Honey, but he's injured. Who, who's coming in and are you making any other changes as well? I won't be making any other changes. Um, I mean, it's a tough one, this, because I think you've got three valid arguments, in my opinion. You've got the Ed Kernel argument. Yeah. Do you, and I would probably be drawn to this one the most out of the three I'll give you purely because I can play Matt Kennedy as a rotation on the ball and he's a very proficient half forward, as we've seen. Mm. And he did it against Richmond as well. He got forward really well ahead of the ball. So I think that's one of the options. And Eds brings that pressure, which we know that you need to apply. Ken would be the other option as the swing man. I think it gives Carlton a few options as well. And I think the final option would be, and I do want to see him as quickly as possible, Go bold, Jesse Motlop. Bring him yeah. in and say, mate, have a bit of fun today. Work off the feet of Harry. Work off the feet of Charlie and maybe make yourself a hero. Mm. I think they're the three options and I think it would be one of them three. They're the first three that came to my mind. I do agree. I worry with Kemp whether we end up going a bit too tall there, even though Kemp doesn't necessarily play as a tall. Like he, we know he can move around the ground. But I do worry with a TDK and Pitt as well playing an extra taller play there, whether that's an issue. Um, but, yeah, I think Kerno would work quite well, as you mentioned, being uh, applying that pressure. I mean, we've seen him kick a few goals. I think it was against, was it GWS last year? He ended up kicking like three or four. So he, maybe he's the new goal sneak. Who knows? But, yeah, I think Motlop is the one that excites me the most. Just literally, here's a free license and just go out there. Do what you do best. Add that spark that, for me, Jack Martin does, where it's, you know, last quarter game on the line, all of a sudden he comes out and his tackle pressure's up, he's kicking goals. That's what I can see Motlop doing. That's what I think for me, Motlop just excites me the most where I don't think the pressure's going to be on him to perform to a, a ridiculous degree either. And much like it seemed like everyone did in that practice game against Richmond, he's in form, he's kicking goals. Uh, probably the only other name that I've seen thrown around is uh, a Fogarty. I just don't... Love it compared to the others. I'm not too sure where he is going to fit in positional-wise if he does ever come back into the uh, the best 22 because I don't see him as being that goal kicker. I see others maybe ahead of him in the midfield. He's a very interesting one for me, so I think I'd probably have others ahead of Fogarty, unfortunately. No, I agree with you. I think you've surmised it well. I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity for someone, though, because yes. like you say, I mean... If Carlton keep going the way we're going, round four when Walsh is fit, we're probably going to be saying he's got to go through the VFL. He can't come <laughs> back to the AFL side. He needs to do his apprenticeship. But yeah. no, I agree with you. I think someone needs to stand out. But I mean, I think probably the Ed Kerner would be a tempting carrot to bite off. You yeah. know, McCray ain't the fastest. So if you want a tagging role, throw him on there. Caleb Daniel's a bit dangerous at the back. Do you know what I mean, he's some options mm. for him. So it'd be interesting to see what Vossi does. 
Yeah, 100%. So let us know if you're listening to this, watching in the comments, who you'd actually bring in. Um, and yeah, if you are making any other changes, who comes out as well? We'd always love to hear that. But look, I think that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode. The, the lid is pretty much off here. We're incredibly excited about what we are seeing. And I tell you, if we beat the doggies, good luck ever putting that back on. But look, I've got to do the plugs here, Pommy. Where can we find you um, and, and tell us what you've got going on um, over this season? Oh, well, you can find me on Pommy and Oz on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter or anywhere that accepts the written format. I'll be on there. Um, you'll see my ugly mug, and it, it, it's pure blue central, really. We do all sorts of sports, <laughs> but there is a big focus on the blues. And you'll see me as well regularly on Blue Abroad as well. With the, I'll be on the Monday show, but I do the watch-alongs. I have committed to doing the watch-alongs. So if anyone needs tickets, come and see your Uncle Pom, because I am giving them away all year. So uh, come and see me, and uh, I'll hook you up. But, I mean, to be honest, as the great Mick Malthouse says, I can't see us losing a game this year. <laughs> oh, I, I reckon I use that as soon as we beat Melbourne as well, straight into every group chat. Oh, I absolutely love it. But yes, everyone, subscribe on YouTube to Pommy and Oz. Follow him on all the socials. One of the most entertaining characters out there. One of the best analytical minds too. So if you like your stats, like that broken down for you, have a watch because you're definitely one of the best. And again, thank you for coming in at the last minute. Um, hopefully we will have Lockie back, but you're definitely welcome anytime on this. One of the best out there. So thanks for joining us, Pommy. Pleasure having me. I love going, I love listening to you guys as well. And I hope Lockie doesn't drink too much when we beat the uh, doggies. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed. But yes, thank you for joining us, guys. We'll be back here next week after we've absolutely pumped the doggies. See you guys next time. <laughs>